Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The heart is a blue. Welcome back. Carson Bach is an attorney who's done a lot with negotiating contracts. Um, he's done all kinds of things for, for coaches. Uh, he's been in the courtroom many times, and I like to tap him because you take a day like today, there are so many things to talk to him about. And so, Carson, I'm just going to go right down the list because I think people have some of the same questions that I do in a number of categories that uh, uh, that, that that you are um, proficient in, Okay. Sure, Mike. Okay. Uh, number one, today the Kim Potter trial continued with a lot of expert testimony, etc. When you saw the video of her uh, breaking down, the body camera video of her breaking down and obviously feeling great pain as to what she had done and understanding what she had done, is that a game changer? Wow. Um, good question. I think it humanizes... Um the defendant. Uh, I, I, I think it empowers the jury to understand that this is a person like they are, and uh, we make mistakes, and people make mistakes. So I think it was a high-risk um, uh, showing, if you ask me, you know, because I think people people can kind of put themselves in a situation where very few people have been in that situation, but what do you do if you're in it? You make that mistake, and oh my God, it looked pretty sincere. It looks sincere, and and and, and would, would that would that? Not, I mean, as you look at it, I I don't think anybody can say, boy, it looks like she might be faking that. You know what I'm saying? I I think it looks like there there is great remorse immediately. In, in, incredible, incredible. And if you think back to last week, uh, Friday, in fact, I think before they discharged, um, one of her supervisors was talking about in the situation that she was confronted with. Um, she was authorized to use force. Yes, she, she didn't have to just use a taser, even though she thought she was, correct? Isn't that what that means? Exactly, and yet, and yet I think that body cam video shows you she literally thought she was using a taser, and when it dawned on her that it wasn't the taser, you saw the human emotion of realizing that's not what I thought I did. So with that in mind, if she takes the stand like they say she will... Does she further humanize herself if you assume that's the way she really felt about the situation and she still feels about it today? Is that a good risk to take because you will relate to someone who made an awful mistake because we've all made awful mistakes in our life? 
So I think the defense has already boxed themselves a little bit in on telling the jury that she's going to testify. Mm -hmm. But but how can you improve upon the incredible authenticity that we're talking about that was objectively captured? I see. Right. Right. So so she will testify. But can you do more clearly, succinctly and candidly than what she came across through, you know, on that body cam? That's pretty hard, Mike. Okay, Derek Chauvin today said that he is going to, uh, you know, hint, basically hinting that he will change his plea, I guess, from a not guilty to a guilty or something like that. Uh, the thought being that, you know, there, there's been a deal worked out and, and, and he will share more with it coming forward. Uh, how do you read that one, the tea leaves? Is, is this, do you read it like he's going to take the fall on, on, on this as much as he can to try to save the other three officers? Or is it just a, hey, if I plead guilty, I can get it reduced instead of taking my chances? What do you see here? So there's three things at play I think you really need to think about. Number one is he's already been convicted in state court. And so you already know what a jury of your peers with a very proficient and effective prosecution is going to convince jurors, one. Two, I think you have to realize that by cutting a plea bargain, he may limit or shorten what could be an extremely, extremely long sentence. He actually can help himself. When you combine those two things together um, with the plea bargaining process, meaning what the state has to undergo to convict somebody, all the work they have to do, and the risk the state has because the state has the burden, this is not an unexpected outcome. It's not unexpected that he cuts a plea bargain that took six, seven months to limit the potential amount of time he will he will receive in sentencing, right? And also get maybe credit for helping out and maybe testifying. He might be a witness for the state. I don't know the specifics of the deal, but he could turn state's evidence. So he could actually testify against as well. Well, he could testify um, if he pleads well, when he pleads guilty, that seems to be what the news is. And I don't know what the terms of the plea bargain are, and they'll all be read and that'll get exposed out in the news. But it, it, it indeed may be he, he may be apt to testify or to um, put some evidence in that helps the state on the other three cases. And, and, and so this is where I get confused. He's already been convicted. He's been sentenced. Uh, what's the big upside here? So as I have it, and I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you, the civil rights charges um, I have not reviewed in this case, but he still has a problem hanging over his head in federal court. It's that that he can limit. He can limit his federal court culpability um, with how he may assist the state prosecution of the other three officers. Follow me? Mm -hmm. Good conduct. Showing remorsefulness. Could there also be, I mean, is there a case to be made that he'll say, this I acted alone, this was on me, or would they not accept that because the only way they'd cut a deal is if, if you can help them bring three down? Well, I, th- this is interesting because I think this brings it back to your first question in the Potter trial. What does the video evidence tell us? There's so much overwhelming video evidence in the Chauvin matter that haven't we all seen it? I mean, don't we all already have a position on what we think his motivation was and how he acted and, and everything we heard, even though he hasn't testified. So I think it's going to be hard to say it's all on him, but he could, right? He could. He could say he was instructing them. He took over the scene. He was the lead. You know, all of that is possible. What if you, if you, uh, 
Carson Bach is our guest, the attorney at large and, and a guy that we tap into for a number of different things, sports questions and beyond. Um, if, if you had someone like that going to a prison, what? And, and everybody talks about how at risk he would be because he's a cop that killed somebody. What can you do to minimize his risk or his or, or to help him uh, live safely? Can, can you cut deals along those lines or not? Well, we talked about this. I think we talked about this last year. Um, I think there was some intense negotiating going on at the state level. Remember, he's convicted at the state level and he's sentenced at the state level, which puts him into the state Department of Corrections system. Okay. Yep. If I'm a Minneapolis police officer, I maybe want to ask or cut a deal in any federal charges that are against me to see if I can't serve my state sentence in a federal prison all the way across the country in Colorado and some other state. You follow me? Yep. Yeah. Is it possible? Yeah. You got to put a lot of people on the same page. Um, and that, that would be something that his attorneys have been working on. I can't tell you whether or not we're going to learn that real fast, but the federal uh, prison system may be a lot better place for him, but everybody's going to know who he is when he goes into prison and he is in prison, but everybody's going to know who he is. You follow me? I do, and I think it'd be very interesting, and we'll never know this or see this, to see who he can grab as an alliance and who are his enemies, because I think that would be a fascinating study. Can you stay on with us for a quick break? You bet, you bet. Because okay, I want to ask you about, we just had this come up in the first half hour, can, can NFL teams mandate contractually that players can't, in essence, socialize or, or at least limit the numbers of people they can be around as part of their collective bargaining agreement or not? Or can, can they contractually bind somebody to that uh, outside of their obligations to employment during the day, outside their work day? I'm going to ask Carson that question when we come back on WCCL. Carson Bach is an attorney here in downtown Minneapolis, serving the surrounding area. And there's a lot of legal issues in this town right now that are uh, hot button, and there are sports issues that are legal issues that are hot button. So, Carson, if you play for the Minnesota Vikings or any NFL team, but let's just say the Vikings, and let's just say uh, particularly if you're unvaccinated. <laughs> and and uh, your Kirk Cousins or Adam Thielen or whatever. And and then maybe there's different clauses. You know, Thielen last year had COVID, and so he's got antibodies. I don't know how much this enters in. Can you implement to them and say, okay, uh, we, we control you here when you're here for your, you know, your employment agreement part of your contract. It says that you will be here on these days, et cetera. We all know how that works for, for, for games and days. And it's, it's very specific in the collective bargaining agreement. You can only have players for, under your control for so long. It's very much written in detail. Can you say to them contractually, can you say, I forbid you from being in um, a group of 10 people that if you don't know they're vaccinated or uh, I don't want you to be at, at a Christmas gathering if, and, and have family from out of town where you have 20 people in your house. What rights does a team have? What rights does an employee have outside of their work schedule? Ooh. Big question. Okay, um, let's just uh, break out some simple things first. Uh, the industrial relations aspect of this, the collective bargaining agreement is the overarching rules between management and players. Got it? Correct. And there's a standardized contract, a standardized contract that the players through their union and management have agreed they'll use. 
there's all kinds of tiny little carve-outs in that standardized contract that enable performance bonuses and some kind of unique language. Now, there's moral turpitude clauses, so to speak. We've talked about this with our college coaches and so on. In parts of those uh, areas and in some of the activities that might be considered dangerous, for instance, you'll remember when my Michael Jordan was playing and some other people that they specifically negotiated in their individual contracts that they could play pickup games of basketball and so on. But but they had to write it in. Exactly. We've heard stories where other guys like, hey, you have to avoid, you know, skydiving or so on. If you stop and if you stop and step back from that, can the league mandate that all players are tested? Can the employers say that for the health and safety of everybody else? Sure. Because a majority, if a majority of people of the players are vaccinated, the, the, the owners can come back and say, hey, we want to make sure everybody is safe, whether you're inoculated, as Aaron Rodgers said or not. When you get into the specifics of personal conduct and who you can be around, believe it or not, this has actually been a couple of collective bargaining agreements. It goes back in the NFL. Um, I want to be careful, but there's a lot of players that have been surrounded by people that maybe the owners or management's not happy about them being surrounded by. Yeah, for different reasons, not COVID, but for different reasons. Correct. From back in the day. We don't want to hear that you were with fill in the blank, right? Exactly. Exactly. That gets really, really dicey, right? You have a right to freedom of association. And if the collecting of bargaining agreement doesn't give the owners and management the ability to put that in those individual contracts, then no. And then there's the practical to this. Can a team basically say to its players, this is what our expectation levels are, and if you don't meet these expectation levels, you're going to somehow be penalized? Sure, they can say that, but how do you practically enforce it? How do you know? And no one would have in their contract, unless they signed it in the last few months, I guess maybe then you could, uh, but, I mean, all these contracts were signed, most of them, pre-COVID. And nobody was thinking about a virus, right? So the chances of them having a specific clause that said, you know, in an effort to, you know, if you're not vaccinated, we're going to ask this of you. Maybe you could get that in a contract today, you'd write that in. But, I mean, the chances of someone, most of the players were already under contract, and, and, and that would not be in there, correct? That that is that is correct, but I want to take you back to probably the lead person in this. Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers and his example. He renegotiated a contract just in the middle of COVID that was going on, right before he yep. reported to camp. Remember? Yep. So he this is something that could have been negotiated in his. And as far as we know about what his contract says, the public knows. He told everybody he was inoculated. Well, what does that mean? Right? <laughs> well, we right? found out what it means. <laughs> well, but, and, then, and then once we found out, how much trouble did Aaron Rodgers get into for not fulfilling it, which gets back to the practical. So you can imagine that there's no language in his contract like what you're talking about. No, he got a $14,000 fine is all. <laughs> exactly. I mean, so, I mean, so you're right to your point. If that would have been in his contract, they'd have said, hey, look at uh, Clause 6B here, line item 2, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, so again, that gets into, you know, the quarterbacks are the most powerful individuals in professional football. But you can imagine if you were a seventh-round draft pick and you wanted to make the team and you signed a contract this year, you would have agreed to anything. No, I won't get with my ten friends that I don't know what their 
vaccination statuses where Aaron Rodgers probably laughed at them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you want to, what else you want to what else you want to throw my way that I'm going to laugh at you for because the way I've got this calculated you need me more than I need you. Exactly. <laughs> Basically. But okay, but exactly. what, what let's take a guy like oh, let's just say Colquitt the punter. Let's yep. just say in theory that he was not vaccinated and said I wasn't going to get vaccinated and then he gets cut. Right. Um, let's just 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 hypothetically let me throw that name out there, okay? Thank you. Yeah, um <laughs> Does he have any recourse uh, to to say, you know what, uh, I am, um, based on my statistics, I am much better than the person you replaced me with, and the only reason that I was cut then was because I refused vaccination. I- is there a case there? Well, oh, well, there's a there's a ton of cases in there, and it's kind of interesting, especially if he could, one, prove that he was vaccinated at some point, and he actually became COVID positive, and he had that language in his contract that forbid him from certain activities or certain people that may or may not be vaccinated or travel. And then all of a sudden, he could go, wait a minute, you're cutting me for this. Well, I've got a workers' comp claim because I caught it from somebody who I know is not vaccinated on the team. Stop and think about it. How do you prove it? I got you. So the reason that <laughs> whether I'm vaccinated or not, I still caught from somebody that's on the team, and you need to deal with that exactly. because you didn't cut that person. Exactly. Uh huh. I got you. I got you. <laughs> and so, if the Vikings in particular, though, I think this is really fascinating because you know start talking about the unvaccinated, and and you and you, and you talk about they they do happen to be incredibly key players, and you know what's Delvin Cook's status hypothetically? Oh, I don't know. Uh, there, and then obviously Adam Thielen and, and, and Kirk Cousins, etc. I tend to think that they are, you know, much more concerned about and looking for more angles to try to pre- prevent these guys from hanging out with each other because they've got more to lose. Uh, and, and it seems to me that there's a lot of, you know, veiled threats or whatnot thrown out there um, because they, they just, you know, they can't afford to have six unvaccinated guys that, oh, yeah, that happen to be really good players. That's going to ruin the whole season. So I would imagine they may roll the dice, too, and say, you know what, uh, we're coming after if you do. Does that ring with you? It does. It does. I want to make sure I hit the pause button for one second. We want our talking hypothetically. Fair enough. Yep. Okay, and two, we are getting into individuals' privacy rights, right? And that's where I, where I get privacy. confused, yeah. Exactly. So so whether or not there's language in individual important players' contracts about their behavior, who they hang out around, what they can participate in, etc., and whether or not it, it mentions the word COVID, there's all types of enforcement mechanisms within inside, you know, the building, all right, yep. inside the team, okay? But on the other side, boy, I don't know that many players want you to know what their status is, right? Whether they have power or not. And, and, and I, and I think it is an exceptional opportunity for an industry like professional football to be out on the forefront and to be an example. And sometimes this is where I feel, uh, feel they fail. And I think the whole Aaron Rodgers debacle was an example of, well, what's more important, Aaron, how important you are and how powerful you are and everything that you can get or the message that you can send to all the people that admire you and look up to you. And and you can ask that of him, but you can't legally enforce that of him. Well, correct. But but when he puts himself in the situation he put himself in, then that that opens a Pandora's box. When you get 30-plus million dollars a year, you have to answer some questions that maybe you'd better talk to somebody how to answer correctly. 
Yeah, well, and I think, you know, you could see, I think he felt some of that uh, yes. remorse or, you know, at least probably had heard from a lot of people across the country that told him stories that probably scared him. Uh, last on the uh, item list, you, you negotiated on behalf of Jay Robinson for many, many years, and I see the University of Minnesota is finally going to, um, I don't want to say finally, he hasn't been that many years removed, but but, but they are going to honor him, and, and, and I'm glad to see that. I'm excited. Um and I, I hope it comes across the right way. I know that people that got their opportunity under Jay that are now leading the program are exceptionally excited to uh, have him honored over that weekend between the 14th, 15th, and 16th. And I, and I really, really think that is necessary because Jay is one of the consummate leaders and one of the most successful, most wonderful people at the University of Minnesota Athletic Department, no matter what everybody may feel about how he left. You follow me? You don't have to convince me. I'm right there with you. He, he, he has always looked out for his team, his players, and he's always tried to help them. And, and, and I hope, I truly hope that this is embraced. And, um, you know, we'll see how A.D. Coyle, whether, whether he shows up, I don't see AD Coil at a lot of Minnesota events. We'll see whether he appears on Friday night or on Sunday. That's a big deal. It'll be interesting to follow, but at least I'm glad that uh, Jay's getting some recognition that he really deserves, and he's impacted so many lives, and his leadership skills are uh, so unparalleled in many different ways. I, I, I quote him or think of things he told me almost every day. You know, you can outwork 90% of your opponents, you know. Absolutely, um, that's Mike. one I of his things. With him last week, and I and I and I, I you, you know how strongly I feel towards Jay, and uh, I think he's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful man. Yeah, and, and he had that. Uh, and I'll never forget on his wall. He had that. Uh, you saw the picture, and uh, a guy sitting in his cell, and it says uh, in, in, a, in a jail cell, and it says uh, uh, a, a good friend will come and bail you out of jail in the middle of the night. A really good says uh, in, in, a, in a jail cell, and it says. Uh, 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 a good friend will come and bail you out of jail in the middle of the night. A really good friend will be sitting next to you saying, damn, that was fun. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we can go all night. Carson, thank you so much. Mike, you take care. You too. Carson Bach. Fun, uh, interesting stuff when you get into the legal side of things from somebody that's been in the courtroom. On the other side, Tom Chorsky. Are the Minnesota Wilds starting to fall off here? What do we got? We'll ask him. Stay with us on Sports to the Max. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.